2: You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have the right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court appoint one for you. Do you understand your rights?
0: And the is at your floor.
2: or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims. My descriptions of the crime scenes what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. And today, y'all, I'm going to try and conclude the Case on Courtney Coco's, or this series, if you will, on Courtney Coco's murder trial. And y'all, I have so much more that I could tell you, but I'm going to try to condense it and get it all done in this last episode. Um, you're going to hear me turning pages. Again, I was in court. I took these notes. Uh, I can't even read my own handwriting half the time, so I'm going to paraphrase some things. Um, to condense it down for you. Okay. So we'll be done with this series, but I'm going to ask why why would I keep doing this? And you know, I'm doing it because it's important to me and it's important that Courtney's story be told. All right. What? Crew bash, February 3rd and 4th tickets still available. Go to eventbrite.com. I think it's under RRC four. Get your tickets. VIP is Friday night. The regular bash is Saturday night and get your local raffle tickets, and we're going to bring, bring you all some episodes on that. But let's get into the store and let's try to finish it. Okay, so I left you last. Stephanie, um, Courtney's mama, had testified, and when she got done, Hugo Holland, the defense, not defense, the special prosecutor I've told you much about, rested his case. Okay, so the case then goes to the court. The defense has their chance to put on the, there are witnesses or witnesses. Certainly, Burns could have testified. He didn't want to, naturally. Um, but LaCour only calls one witness. Now, this witness is Dr. Stephen Norman. Okay? Um, I I have pages and pages and pages on this, but everything— Pretty much has already been discussed uh, by the original pathologist, Dr. Brown, who'd done over 15,000 autopsies, testified as an expert witness over 100 times and all this stuff. Dr. Stephen Norman, Alexander PD brought him in, um, I don't think 2016, 2017, something like that, and just gave him the case file. And he... Um read the case file, and he had the blood that's now been stored for, what, 2004, 14 years, something like that, and um, he had that retested. Now, you remember Dr. Brown said there was no blood left in in Courtney's body because it was so badly decomposed that he had to use the spleen because the spleen is a bloody organ, but he actually had to squeeze the spleen to get enough blood out to test. But the test that they did was, uh, qualitative, not quantitative, meaning they could tell you what's in the system, but you can't say how much or where it came from. Um, the point of contention being that Dr. Stephen Norman, um, said Courtney Coco died from an accidental overdose of alcohol and Tremadol and all this other bullshit. But what he did, Dr. Stephen Norman took that blood sample and he ran it like you would a normal toxicology. Several problems with that, and I'm probably saving you all some time because I'm I'm going over his testimony without telling you verbatim what was said. But the problem with that is the – the sample would have continued to degrade over the years. And as the body degrades, you get a higher percentage of alcohol, right? It's fermenting. Um, but let's go back to it. Dr. Stephen Norman gets on the stand and he states that um, he's testified dozens of times at, as a pathologist and Hugo checks him on that, right? Hugo said, well, you know what? I've only got you testifying three times uh, and as, as an expert witness. So, is Dr. Norman lying? Probably, but, or an embellishing, at least. Um, so, Hugo was trying to, you know, basically, Hugo questioned, so, okay, what's the jurisdictions? Have you, have you done all this testifying in? Dr. Norman couldn't remember. the, But Dr. Norman had been the uh, coroner at some point in Rapids. And uh, Hugo basically stuck him out and said, you know, when was the last time you received any uh, forensic uh, pathology training? And it, Dr. Norman had to admit that it was way back in the 70s. And Hugo say, said, so last time you received any training on how to conduct a criminal autopsies was when Jimmy Carter was president and he had to admit to it. Now, look, Dr. Stephen Orman, I don't know how old he is. He's probably late 60s, early 70s, something like that. He's retired now, y'all. And, um, you know, obviously a very intelligent man, but my personal feelings is he's full of shit. So the... When Hugo says ask him so he said do you know that dr. Brown has testified in over 15,000 criminal pathology cases or homicides he's worked? and and dr. Brown said I don't believe that and Hugh was like what do you mean you don't believe that and he said Are you calling dr. Brown a liar and he's like oh I, I just I don't think that's true uh, he said well so you're calling him a liar and he said well I mean I, I you know, I just think that's highly suspect. Hugo basically locks Dr. Norman in his entire career. It, he says he, he's done approximately, out of all the autopsies he said he did, that he approximately 50 of them were all by people who died violent deaths. Okay. So he says, uh, um, Norman says, I think that he'd done approximately 500 autopsies and Hugo locks him to that roughly 50 of those by people who died of violent death. And Hugo asked him, well, if you're qualified to perform forensic autopsies, then why, when you were corner, did you send all your aut- autopsies to another doctor? So Hugo had him on that. Um, then LaCour gets up and starts to go over him. It, um with him about when he reviewed the autopsy in, in 2016 or made his own autopsy report in 2016 that he was brought in by um, the Alexander Police Department and he looked at reports in the autopsy on Coco. Um, Dr. Norman stated that he offered to do this um, after he saw the name in the newspaper, and he said he could be available without pay to to review Courtney's case. And y'all, I'm, I'm gonna say you, you know, he, Dr. Norman cites three articles which contradicted Dr. Brown's. And but basically, what he says, and you'll hear pages turn. Basically, what he says is is that Courtney absolutely. Died of an accidental overdose, and by, she drank herself to death, and and had uh, tramadol et cetera in her system. And the liqueur asked him about testing the spleen. He said, Would, "Wouldn't it have been better to, to test from the liver, the blood from the liver?" Well, the problem with that, y'all, is if you remember, Doctor Brown testified there was no blood in the liver. The only place he could get blood from was was the spleen, everything else was gone. It's too her body was too badly decomposed. So Lecours looking like a dumbass on that. The it just goes on and on and on about you know, um, basically, then they're just trying to say how Doctor Brown got it wrong. Now you remember Doctor Brown, you know, was in his eighties and not not when the Courtney Coco's case happened but Dr. Brown actually saw Courtney's body Dr. Brown actually talked to the investigators that were on the scene and uh, they a, a pathologist a pathologist's job is to gather all the information from the detectives then to conduct the autopsy and then to turn around and give information from the body back to the detectives so they could help their case right And I'm just, I'm not going to read you all this shit. It just goes, I got like 20 pages of a core talking to this idiot. And uh, let's sum it up. He's sticking by his guns that his autopsy report was right. Even though Dr. Brown has already explained that he couldn't have tested the, the the remaining samples uh, because that, you know, since medical literature, since the people began doing autopsies, it's proven that if you use that old sample, you're flirting with medical and legal disaster. So, so when he was asked about the gum in her stomach, which Doctor Brown said he's only seen like three times in all the fifteen thousand autopsies he did, and Doctor Brown said that's because when they choked her to death, she swallowed a gum. And uh, Stephen Norman says, "Oh no, I don't find that significant. I don't. I, I don't think there's anything to that." The, he, he says that's just uh, pure ludicrous. Oh. It, then when Lacour says, "Well, she ate her," uh, Doctor Brown says, "She ate her last meal within two hours of her death." And Doctor Brown, Doctor uh, Norman says, "I don't think that's significant." Is that they talked about when her, uh, Courtney's body was found at uh, the advanced state of decomposition? It was uh, as she had been deceased longer, but it, he says, Doctor Norman says, "Well, it doesn't surprise me," and he. uh Advances decomposition, so LaCour says. Doc, in your expert opinion, do we know what caused the death? According to Coco, and he said, my opinion is alcohol and tramadol. And he said, I completely disagree with Doctor Brown's autopsy report. All right. So Hugo gets back up and he says, of the autopsies you conducted there were about 50 of violent deaths. And he said, are you aware Dr. Brown did over 15,000? And again, this is what I told you all a minute ago. He said, I don't believe that. So he says, are you suggesting Dr. Brown lied? He said, well, I'm very surprised on that. And he said, you're walking backwards now. So this 50 autopsies that, uh, that you've done, you, you three times you testified in court. He said, you were Dr. Brown has testified hundreds of times. And and." And Norman says, no. He said, well, in your CV, you, you list your last formal training uh, uh, as in the 70s. And, and he said, yes. Uh, Talking about it in, in forensic pathology, y'all. And he said, also, you've never been board certified uh, pathologist. And Dr. Norman says, no, I've not. So he's not even in the ballpark with Dr. Brown, y'all. <clears throat> and on uh, the tolerance part, Hugo, basically, I'm going to sum it up for you. Hugo said, um, someone uses drugs over a long period of time. Don't they develop a tolerance for it? And he was like, well, they could. And he said, what about alcohol? He said, well, I don't know. And he said, well, correct me if I'm wrong. For someone who doesn't drink at all, would a blood alcohol of 0.25, would that person pass out? Dr. Norman says yes. He said, so uh, blood alcohol 0.25 in – Doctor Norman tried to cut him off and, and and say something else, and Hugo said, "Hey, I went to law school. I get to ask the questions. You don't." Now, at this point, Hugo's hammering his ass, right, and rightfully so. The um said, "How many of the fifty autopsies you did were on decomposed bodies, and to the point of rotting and stinking?" And Doctor Norman said something like, "Maybe." Uh, 12. So then they get into all these medical terms. Uh, I mean, they talked about the spleen. Um, oh, uh, Hugo showed him the the article that Dr. Brown had presented that's been used since the beginning of time. And in Dr., Dr. Norman was like, I don't know about that, et cetera. So Hugo says, Do you agree with Dr. Brown? Um, about the, the qualitative, not quantitative. And Dr. Norman says, Well, this is very interesting. He said, Well, do you agree with him that they can, that's the only way it can be viewed? And he said, Well, Dr. Norman says, Well, I ha- I'd have to think about that. And it just goes on and on, y'all. Basically, at the end of the day, I'm going to turn some pages, guess is how many I have, and I'm trying to save y'all some time. Because uh, at the end of the day, Dr. Norman, is trying to defend his position, which he has no fucking position. He never saw Courtney test had some blood tested years later. He never read, Hugo got an admit, did you ever talk to any detectives on the case? No. Did you ever read the case file on the case? He said no. Did you read the police reports on the case? He said no. He said, so basically you just got information from APD that this girl had died uh, um he said, well, I read the original autopsy. And he said, oh, no, listen to me. He said, basically, you just read that original autopsy, and you didn't work with any law enforcement. You didn't have any other knowledge other than what you found in, in the original autopsy. And he had to admit that that was true. All right, so we am get on past this, y'all. Uh, um, LaCour got back up and, and on the redirect to try to save uh, Dr. Brown and, and just – didn't do it justice. <laughs> I mean, it was ridiculous. Uh, shout out to AstroPro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. My allergies are throwing
3: my whole morning off. Do I sound different to you?
2: <laughs> I love that. You sound, <laughs> it's that time of year there, bro. I sound different to me. I feel like I'm in a submarine. Yeah, well, have you tried AstroPro? It's faster, bro. Oh. Right? AstroPro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray.
3: Acting nasal allergy symptom relief with AstroPro. Go to astroproallergy.com for a discount so you can AstroPro and go today. A S T E P R O allergy.com. It's faster, bro. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. AstroPro and go. Looking for a new and healthier way to unwind? I was too, and then I tried Recess Mood. Recess Mood replaced that after-dinner alcoholic beverage for me, so I saw a difference in both my mood and my belly. It's made with real fruit, it is only 20 calories, and it contains no added sugar. Recess Mood is infused with functional ingredients like mood-lifting magnesium and stress-balancing adaptogens, so you can relax without the alcohol or the hangovers. Recess Mood tastes great, too, and comes in four different flavors. My favorite flavor is the Strawberry Rose. So whether you need a moment away from the errands, work, and kids, or you just need a moment of chill during dinnertime chaos, Recess Mood is where it's at whenever you need to relax and unwind. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to TakeArecess.com R-L-R-C and get 15% off recess mood your go-to alcohol
2: replacement. I mean, Hugo did get in. He said, "Did you ever talk to Courtney's family?" And he said, "No." He said, "Do you know talk to her friends? Do you do, do you know if she drank every day?" He said, "No." And He said, "Do you know uh, um you, you know what her tolerance was to alcohol blah blah blah." I mean, he just Hugo did a hell of a job. Punched the shit out of him. And he gets off the stand. Then we go to closing arguments, y'all. Now, closing arguments. I told you in the beginning, Hugo gets to get up and do his clo- his opening statements of the closing arguments, if you will. Lacour gets to get up and do his part, and then Hugo gets to get up and and have the final say. So, so Hugo gets up and he puts he shows on the TV screen uh, it. it Moderation in pursuit of justice is no virtue. He said, I consider myself uh, an honest man and I take my job serious. He said, I'm going to sit up here so, so not to block y'all's view. Yeah, y'all, he's moving out of the way of the TV. He said, Guilt shall not escape. He said, Why well, I told you we wouldn't be here if I didn't believe that David Anthony Burns killed Courtney. He said, I am extremely proud to speak to speak for the dead, because Courtney can't speak for herself. He said, killing of a human being, the body dumped or position, Who were more qual- qualified? Dr. Brown, who did over fifteen thousand autopsies over fifty years, is border certified, and he had the case detected with him, he says is a homicide. Now you Dr. Norman, who's a clinical pathologist. Never reviewed the police report or crime scene photos. Uh, he only did 15,000. That's what he testified. 15,000 autopsies. And he's only testified three times. He called Dr. Brown a liar. Do you believe he lied? Now he's talking to the jury. Y'all He said, I told y'all I was going to challenge look, La- Mr. LaCour to prove that this wasn't a homicide. And I gave you the reasonable explanation how this can't be anything uh, but murder. He said, I'm throwing that challenge out again. He said, I want the court to get up here and tell you that this wasn't a murder and prove to you that this wasn't a murder. And he goes on to talk about Fred Landry. Y'all. He said, Fred Landry, is he the evil genius and murderer and can get away with this? Or is the most reasonable explanation that his... DNA was on the latch of the car was that he had a relationship with Courtney. And, you know, cigarette butts in the car, the most reasonable explanation is that car was a crack loaner and it was recovered in Houston. Uh, and a bunch of people had access to it. So, And I want you to keep the Occumus Razor theory in mind, y'all. That basically says that in lack of other knowledge that the most – Reasonable explanation is the truth. And Hugo goes on. He said, we know it's a homicide. Dr. Brown said so. And he has four more, far more experience than Dr. Stephen Norman. He said, now let's go to Wayne Durson. And y'all, yeah, man, remember, what, he's the one that went off on the court. And, and in the courtroom pointed at uh, Burns and said, why don't you be a man and stand up and tell these people what, what you told me? Wayne Durson says it's a homicide. And he said, I ain't got no damn reason to lie. Now, Charlene, she said Burns told her that he strangled Courtney Coco. He said, Seamus said Burns said that he killed Courtney. He said, three people under oath swore that Burns said that he did it. Durson said Burns told him about the body being dumped in Texas. Charlene says Burns told him about dumping the body in Texas. Seamus said that Burns told him about dumping the body in Texas. Tiffany Cedar said Seamus had to go to Winnie. Uh, she had to go to Winnie, Texas to get Seamus one time. He said Hugo says, I suggest we know Courtney's body was wrapped in, in a blanket, maybe plastic. Charlene says plastic. And then I put... Miss I on the stand about how the shower curtain was missing, was she wrapped up in uh, plastic and a blanket? I don't know. I wasn't there. It says we know her bedspread was missing. Clyde Griffin said he saw Prince driving her car. Charlene said Burns told her that Prince was involved in the murder. Burns didn't go to Winnie, Texas, back up and drop the body, and then hike back. You heard Dr. Scanlon said there's no physical evidence that's seen it, it, that it was a dump site. And Burns told Charlene there was a silver Mustang involved and Billy Earhart owned one. These things uh, proved consistent with Seamus' statements. Now, Jude Lawson told you he remembered JW and an eight on the plate. Um, he ultimately ends up picking him, uh, drawing a eight. eight photograph of him, and then picks him out of a photograph lineup being Burns, him being Burns. And he says he gets his dates mixed up, but he remembered he was coming from the store, and the store was closed around 10 p.m., and June says the car was pulled, was not pulled in the building, and it was parked to the left, and he saw someone walking around and getting into the car. And as he did, uh, he saw the silhouette. He picked him out of the lineup, under oath, knowing he might send someone to prison for the rest of their life. Jude still pointed out David Anthony Burns. Dr. Gazelle, the, the, the math doctor, y'all said, there's a less than 1% chance that Jude can get guess even a partial plate by getting a glance of it at, at nighttime. He said, I'm going to suggest that Jude remembers events, not dates. Now, Janet Bayon, the only day she had her trailer on, on the truck and the only day she was traveling that road was on Sunday, October the 3rd at night around that same time. She sees the almost wreck and remembers Jude coming to do a report. She's never wavered in her statement, y'all. Jude's dates weren't clear, but he was positive about it was David Anthony Burns driving the vehicle. Um, some stray issues, about lacing the money. He said, I don't know. I don't have any doubt that Durson or Charlene heard what they heard. He said, I asked Stephanie, was it common knowledge that Courtney was getting money in the family? And Stephanie said, yes. And, and guess what? Burns was part of the family. I suggest Burns did not know the annuity that was paid, went away after Courtney's death. If I could prove Seamus had... Had been there beyond a reasonable doubt, he would be up here on trial too. And Lace, if I had proof of her being involved, I'd prosecute her too. And about Ms. Stephanie and, and him saying, LaCour saying that Courtney only dated black men, and, and that's because he's trying to establish and say that Burns, that Courtney wouldn't have a affair with Burns because he was white. But Courtney is having an affair with Burns. And Seamus said, looks like uh, about Courtney's body, looks like it's been beaten to hell, It's all black and blue from the waist up. So let's go back to Friday night. Lace and, and Burns have a fight. Burns leaves. He comes back to have another fight. He leaves. He's gone the whole weekend. He said, I'm saying that Burns ran to Courtney, she was dressed for bed. And I can only guess the conversation. Maybe it was that Courtney said, I'm going back to Jiddy. Or maybe Courtney said that she had an STD and that he gave, she gave it to him or, or he gave it to her or whatever. But Burns gets mad and squeezes the life out of her. So what does Burns think then? I mean, he said, he's, what I do with a body? Burns drove there. He can't have anyone see this. See, this is where their case that wasn't homicide falls, falls apart. He said, why not leave her there? Why dump her body in Texas? She's going to be discovered, wraps her up, covered by a shower curtain, bed, spread, both were missing. And then Hugo showed the pictures, y'all, of the board under the mattress. And he says, Burns then got to make two phone calls. First, the prince probably said, hey, can I leave her car with you? And then he calls Seamus to help dump her body. Dr. Brown said the smell of Courtney's body would have been rotten and would have permeated everything. Texas Rangers didn't say anything about the rotten smell in Courtney's car when they found it in Houston. Seamus shows up in a silver Mustang. Courtney gets put in the back of the Mustang and likely this ride in that car with Prince driving likely her being put in the, in the silver Mustang and not her own car because Prince is driving that car, according to his car around on Saturday. And he wouldn't have been doing that if it is stunk to high heaven. So the, the rape kit comes back negative, even though Byrne said that Prince and him and Prince's cousin raped her, uh, or had sex with her. But nobody know because there were condoms, but, Burns is in Courtney's car. Sheamus is in the Mustang. Charlene Gallman said Burns had been through Winnie Texas many times. Sheamus admitted he was on the road the day Courtney's body was found three times. So Settler backs in and both of them lift out Courtney's tiny corpse and dump her on the floor. And as a last insult, they raise her legs Spread her arms, which I would suggest to you is not unlike Jesus. Courtney was sacrificed. Setliff then has time to drive back from Houston and get his work van. And that's where the, the pair of panties were found in the van. And Hugo goes on to say, Burns did it. Maybe with Setliff, maybe not. And I think LaCour is about to get up here and say it's not murder. Burns robbed that woman of the opportunity to have a life. Make him pay. All right, y'all, that's Hugo's opening uh, salvo. LaCour gets up, do his closing argument. Look, I don't have to spend a bunch of time reading this. I'm going to paraphrase it because it just doesn't make any sense. Hugo was exactly right on what he's going to say. Basically he says, it's not murder. Um, Dr. Stephen Norman says there's an accidental overdose. He says there's not one person can put my client at the scene, he said, except for Jude, Jude, who comes out all these years later and picks him out of a photo lineup. He said, I don't believe that. How do you pick a man out of a photo lineup when you only see his profile? He said, that that doesn't work. He said, there's not one piece of physical evidence. tying my client to murder Courtney Coco. Um, he he talks about, you know, it could be Seamus. He said it could be Lace, um, that uh, other people had motive. Talks about Detectives Ryden, and he says, I lose faith in our police department. And and Ryden couldn't even get the date straight. He couldn't Google it. He says when the cops don't get an answer they like, they, they just basically turn it around and make it work for them. He said, why would you be giving out brochures after the festival is closed? Again, y'all, he's trying to go back to Jude on that. He said, the body wrap, that came from the family. Lace said it. And it was on the news that a body was dumped in, in Texas. It's not information only the killer would know. Silver Mustang. Shamus says it was red. She says it's silver. And y'all, he just goes on and on. He goes back to Dryden. He says this is the worst piece of police work ever. He said to get back to it. He said Lace did it, and they did it. They did it for money. He said Hugo challenged me. Hell, I'm going home. My client's innocent. Lacour says that she moved out, and she only dated black men, and she moved into an all black neighborhood to date all blacks. And he goes on to talk about Fred Landry. And he said, that's the biggest guy I've ever seen. And he said, and he said, I know this is crazy. And he said, I'm not laughing. He said, no one could put Burns at her house Friday or Saturday. There's no testimony that he smelled like death. It says that anybody could be suspect on killing Courtney Coco. That, I mean, she could have told someone that she'd given him an STD. They could have killed her. Seamus, he says, Seamus, I don't know what's factor fiction. His credibility is shot. I saw him on the video at the Dunes, and he looks like he's creeping. He so then you got Prince. I know Prince was seen driving Courtney's car, and he's in prison. We don't know how Prince got in the car, and then moves on to y'all, and he, he talks about the uh, Dr. Stephen Norman saying it was an accidental overdose. Uh, you can't determine that it's a homicide. Dr. Brown is guessing that it's a homicide. He said, I think Courtney passed out, and he's a black man with a white woman who passed out, and he got scared, so he got rid of the body. Then the court goes on to tell the jury, he said, belief is not proof. You have to prove guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, and they have not done that. So y'all going to have to go back and make your own decisions. And this case is filled w- with holes, basically, is what he's saying, beyond a reasonable doubt. It, so Hugo goes through a, like 12 steps and disproves everything LaCour just got up and said. And at the end of it, he said, I challenged LaCour to get up here and explain that this was not a homicide. He failed. Burns confessed. Jude Wilson ID'd him. He said, "I've given you everything. Go back to that jury room and come back with a, gu- a guilty verdict." And he said, "Now the judge is going to give you some instructions." And y'all, what happened after that? The judge gives uh, charges the jury is what they call it, and she defines what the charge is: second degree murder. What the has to have specific intent, and you know goes on evidence and tells them, you know, just gives them all the instructions. So it's a long, boring list of shit, and so, the jury goes out, all right? Now, we are sitting in the courtroom, and we have to stand up, all rise. The jury goes out. It's something it's late in the evening, y'all. It's like, I don't know, 5 o'clock or something. I'd have to go back and look at it because it's been some months now. And they go out, and all of a sudden, it's like, holy shit, it's really over, right? But it's not because the jury's deliberating. And... I knew that they were coming back with a guilty verdict. But you can never be totally sure. And this case was 18 years almost to the day, 18 years in a month. Uh, the jury got charged. They go out. We go downstairs. I go downstairs to a truck. I call my wife and hanging out and waiting. Uh, I go back over to the courthouse and I go back up to the, the uh, fourth floor and I sit on the side and I could hear people talking in the hallway, family members and all that. And, um, you know, it's, it's right at getting dark. And all of a sudden they say, the judge is calling everybody back in. The judge is calling everybody back in. And I'm like, that's no big deal. Yeah. We I, I went. they some, I heard Miss Stephanie say, where's Woody. And so I went around the corner. I said, Hey, I'm right here. I said, listen, this is probably the jury coming back out with a question or something. Y'all had only been like an hour, an hour and five minutes. And I said, this is probably the jury coming back with um, some questions that they, they need cleared up or whatever. I said, there's no way this jury is coming back this fast. Now, generally, the rule of thumb is the longer the jury is out, the worse it is for the prosecution. The quicker they come back the better it is for the prosecution, right? And my fastest case I ever had was on uh, double clutch um, for four aggravated rapes. And the jury, it took them longer to pick a jury foreman than it did to convict him uh, for the vote. The vote came back, to, you know, they were back in like 30 minutes. The So I, I'm, I'm truly thinking that this is just going to be a question. So we file back in the courtroom. And I sit down beside... Uh, Miss Stephanie on the front row and shit, the judge comes in, judge comes in and well, yeah, we have to stand for it. And then she sits down and she said, okay, we have a verdict in this case. So I'm like, what the fuck? And we're, now we're all holding hands and stuff. And I'm like, I can't believe they have a verdict in this this fast. And so they bring the jury back in. We had to rise for them and sit down. And then they, um, judge says, I understand, uh, jury foreman that y'all have reached a verdict and they said yes and he said can you can hand the verdict and, and the bailiff took the verdict and she read it gave it to the judge, the judge read it and the judge gave it to the clerk and said Madam Clerk will you read the verdict now this point everybody's just bent over praying crying This uh, uh, but it's quiet, it's silent and I'm looking diagonally across at Burns and the clerk reads, I'm going to paraphrase this, y'all. And the clerk reads, on the charge of second degree murder, the state of Louisiana versus David Anthony Burns, we, the jury, find the defendant guilty on the murder of Courtney Coco. Y'all, I'm watching Burns, and it looked like somebody kicked him in the nuts. And he just, ooh, he bent over, ooh and did like that. And then, and then, he straights back up And of course the courtrooms, you people are, the families all crying and, and, and going on. And, uh, then, you know, it's just, I'm fucking in disbelief, not in disbelief because I knew it, it was going to happen. But, um, I mean, this is a long time. I know it's been a long story, but the, uh, I don't know. I'll never forget it as long as I live. And, the judge, uh, they poll the jury, which means they ask each juror independently, is this your verdict? Is guilty your verdict? And all 12 said, yes, he's guilty. And they, independent of each other, is this your verdict? Yes, guilty is my verdict. Yes, guilty is my verdict. Yes, guilty. It's 12 times, y'all. And then she thanks the jury and dismisses them and uh, sets the sentencing for, you know, a month away or whatever it was. And, of course, LaCour, before she even does that, he he ejects, he's going, oh, I wanted a pill. And this is a blah, 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 blah. And he I mean, you know, he's acting like he's he's all butthurt. Uh, he got his ass whipped. Uh, David Anthony Burns. Fuck you. You murder Courtney Coco and you're going to die in Angola.
0: Um, then it
2: came time, y'all, at the end of after all of course, bullshit objections. Um, I mean, including what she said, There's no evidence in this, your honor, blah 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 blah. Uh, Um, and the judge goes to pick a sentencing date, and she gave him a bunch of dates in in November. And what the first one she said, I think was November the 20th. And when she said that, Stephanie, we're holding hands, they're still all crying stuff. But Stephanie says, that's his birthday. That's his birthday. And LaCour says, your honor, I'd ask that you pick any other date but that date because that's my client's birthday. So she moved it back like another week, right? And um, we came back for the sentencing and I think it was the end of November that we go in, We expect to have the sentencing that day and LaCour comes late to court as usual and then Then he goes, he walks up to the judge, not on the record, but he says, Your Honor, I I want to move the sentence to another date. She said, No way. She said, It's happening today. He said, Well, then I need 10 minute recess. She's like, Okay, take however much time you need, right? Once again, we're all fucking waiting on the court. What the court does is goes downstairs and files two motions, bullshit motions, same things he's already, I think, one to dismiss the verdict and one for. Whatever the fuck else. I mean, I don't even remember. It's so stupid. But in doing so, he knew we had a packed courtroom. All the lifers were there. The family members were there. I'm talking about lifers drove in from all over, right? I mean, you, their standing room, you can't even stand. There are people standing all along the walls. Everything was jam-packed. And uh, the Corps files those fucking motions. And he knew what he was doing. The the judge said, "Oh, I'll hear your motions," and but she was pissed. I knew what was coming. She so he went through his motions about all this, and this should be dismissed and overturned. blah, blah whatever, the judge denied both of the motions. But the court knew what he was doing. He was doing. He's saying, "Fuck you" to everybody in that room because they were all there to hear the victims' impact statements and to hear the sentencing that day. Well, because he filed those last minute motions after. He got to the courthouse, and by Louisiana law, the judge could not sentence Burns for twenty-four hours. Now the court knows the judge has got a full docket, um, and like the next day she had a trial starting and all that, and he's thinking he's going to get it pushed back for however long. And the judge was pissed, right? And then she leaves and she comes back in, and she's like, "You know what? We're gonna I'm." going to set sentencing for tomorrow at one PM. This is like 10 o'clock y'all. She said therefore but she, and of course everybody's pissed, but I knew it was coming. And she said, therefore it would have been more than twenty four hours since I denied the defense's motions and under Louisiana law that if they file a motion, I ha- I cannot I cannot rule upon a motion and sentence the defendant uh in the same 24-hour period. She said, but I'll send it to them tomorrow at 1 p.m. And she said, and furthermore, the I'm going to proceed and listen to all the victims' impact statements today because everybody's here, and I don't want everybody to have to come back. And so that really pissed LaCour off. But she did it. And, y'all, I'm going to put it up uh, for Patreon Convicts or whatever, and it won't be this week, and it's, it is – I had Shane McBride in from uh, Wisconsin, Macklewall Whitetail Adventures. He was kind of watching my back because of the shit they pulled back in October. And he was sitting in the back courtroom and he said, I have never heard any shit like that in my life. Now, all the family members got to get up and, and give their statements to Burns. And they were strong, they were powerful. It was just, you could hear a pin drop, everybody's crying. And the last one was Miss Stephanie. And she uh, laid into him after 18 years of waiting. Uh, but anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll put that up for y'all. Uh, and and I was thinking, oh, shit, I know Burns is going to get his chance, but is he, is he so stupid enough to get up and give a statement? And guess what? He did. He did. He had to have the last word. But joke's on him because he spent Christmas in Angola and what's the next holiday? Well, oh, guess what? David Anthony Burns, you're not going to Mardi Gras this year, bitch. You They don't have Mardi Gras in Angola. And then it'll be Easter. Well, you might get a piece of ham Burns on Easter. I doubt it. You ain't getting any Easter eggs. And whatever, you're not going to crawfish bulls this year, homie, and you never will again. You murdered Courtney Coco. Lifers, I want to thank all of y'all uh, for sticking with me through this. The next episode you get will be Woody Overton, old school, real life, real crime. But this story means the world to me. Courtney Coco's life story needs to be told. This piece of shit that murdered her found guilty by a jury of his peers not Woody Overton although I know he did it Um, he's going to die in prison and he should I actually think he should get choked out like Courtney did but you know Angola's pretty good too for him so next time it'll be old cop stories again and I know this was long and I condensed this last one and then we had the holidays and we swapped out some episodes of bloody Angola Uh, because of, um, you know, it was holidays, and we had to take time off and be with our families. But the Y'all Real Life Real Crime Daily drops on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. It's huge success, higher numbers than we've ever seen. But that's just us talking about, me and Mike and Jim talking about the uh, current news stories, uh, everything from the Idaho killer to uh, business. And you gotta listen to that one. The female that cut the guy's head off and left it in a mop bucket, but real life, real crime, the original real life, real crime will start dropping again a week from the day that you're hearing this a week from it'll be drop on Tuesdays. Okay. Um, and then of course we have bloody Angola. we're doing three bloody Angola drops a week now, also so that's seven shows. You get a week between real life, real crime daily, real life real crime and bloody angola and y'all please keep liking and sharing subscribing and doing all that good podcast shit uh real life real crime crew bash tickets are on sale now we sold out two nights of bloody angola you've got to get your tickets for the crew bash friday night vip event uh approximately 200 people it's going to be very intimate i'm gonna sign the autographs and take pictures and we're going to party and we have a bunch of stuff. We're going to auction off uh, for only the VIPs out of there, the thing items that have been donated. And hey, if you want to donate some, uh, whatever it is, just contact us, especially for the Friday night auction. All right. for and then all proceeds go to Lopa, y'all, Louisiana Oregon procurement agency. Saturday night, of course, I'm going to take the stage and, It's going to be, I think I'm going to go ahead and tell you the name of it. The name of of my show is going to be Sex, Drugs, and Murder. Chew on that one for a minute. When I get done, Chase Tyler and the Chase Tyler Band, Chase Tyler, a two-time Louisiana Hall of Fame inductee, is going to play. And if you've been before, you know he rocks the house. And Chase and his beautiful bride, Miss Lindsay, are also going to be at the Friday night VIP event. And guess what? He's coming as a fan on, on the VIP event. And and he, uh, I'm honored by that. So yeah, y'all, Chase will be there. And we'll have a lot of other people there that um, you probably want to meet. So get your tickets, eventbrite.com. I think it's RRC 4 but you can just look up Real Life Real Crime and get your tickets while they last. We're only like two weeks away. Yeah, I think it's two weeks from tonight. I think it's, yep, two weeks. So get it, get your tickets. You got to get them once they're sold out. I can't can't fudge on them, y'all. It's a fire marshal issue, okay? All right, that's it. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting some stuff, but... Patreon members, convict members thank you thank you thank you so much for subscribing. you'll never know what it means to us uh, it means to me and to the show and to my family and all this stuff costs a lot of money all uh, to do so your support is invaluable. If we owe you something send us a message. If you're having a problem with something send us a message and we'll get we'll get right on it as soon as we see it okay and Lopa Louisiana Oregon procurement Agency, You'll be hearing a commercial about the raffle we're doing uh, this year, like we've done the last several years, to raise money for this nonprofit. Lopa saves lives, y'all. And If you're a lifer from Taiwan and you want to become an organ donor, you don't have to be from Louisiana. You can go to lopa.org, fill out the little two-minute thing, and be a hero. Chances of your organs ever being harvested are slim to none but if, hey, if they want my shit they can have it and I um, Lopa saves lives and I'm Woody Overton you host of Real Life Real Crown the podcast until next time or ever don't let me catch you down on Murder Bayou. Peace. Yeah, the right to remain silent. You say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. Do you understand your rights?
0: And the wolf is at your door.